Well, come on, let's clap for Jesus, everybody. He's the reason why we're here. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, unto the only wise God. We give this to you tonight, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Jesus. But ye are a chosen generation. Amen. It's it's exciting to be a part of what just happened for the youth of Antioch. I'm excited I get to be a part, but I don't believe that this is just, this is not the pinnacle, this is not the peak, this is just the beginning. And I believe that. I, I I'll be honest with you. I did like I did like ham for the lamb. I did like that, but chosen just it sat right in my spirit. So I'm I'm thankful that I got a. I, I had a weird encounter when I was sitting down there and I I saw Brother Middleton up here and he was kind of talking. I looked kind of looked over and I seen the chosen and all of a sudden I had deja vu. But I've never been here before. We've never been here before, but I just, it's like I've, my spirit man has been here or something. I don't know, but God is in the middle of what he's, what's happening here. Amen. And God's about to do something that we've never seen him do. Amen. The Lord spoke two things to me. There's going to be deliverance and there's going to be impartation. And impartation just means you're going to leave with something that you didn't come with. Amen. So I'm thankful to be a part of what God is doing here at Antioch and you that are here. Thank you for coming. But before we get into the word of God, I just want to, I don't want anybody to be distracted. So I'm going to let you know off the bat, I spit when I preach. So you that are on the front row, it's going to be like SeaWorld. Amen. So just get ready. I know I've been preaching yet. They just wipe it away and keep listening. Have, no, for real, have you ever, have you ever had that encounter where you kind of, you pull up on somebody and you look over and you see them singing a song. They got their windows rolled up and you know, you don't have a clue what they're singing, but isn't that awkward? Or maybe you're that person. I'll just let you know right out the gate, I'm that person. Because I love Jesus and I don't care what nobody thinks. Amen. Amen. But I'm going I'm to go right to the word of the Lord. I do feel that God has given me something for you tonight. Everybody say, for me. If you'd open your Bibles in standing in reverence of the word of the Lord to 2 Kings... 2 Kings chapter 13, turn your Bibles on or open them up. It doesn't matter how you do, do what you do. Amen. And y'all are fancy up here. I'm just from Iowa, man. I do. You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get fancy. Pull my pocket out and just make it seem. One of them big city preachers. Now I'm ready to go. Amen. Stick a, stick a sock in there. Get her. 
Amen. So good to be with Pastor Wright and his family. Amen. I'm thankful. Are you thankful for your pastor, pastor's family? Amen. How many are thankful for Brother Middleton and everything in the team, the youth team of Chosen? Amen. We're about to have a move of God in this house. 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 14. The Bible says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And guess what he did? He put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the hand, on the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And guess what he did? He opened it. And then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite the ground, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. And if I could, the beginning of verse 20. And Elisha died. And Elisha died. Skipping over, if you will, to Luke 17. In verse 10, I'll read it real quickly. You don't have to turn there. Just look up on the screen. The Bible says, So likewise ye... When ye have done all those things which are commanded you. Say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. If I could preach what I feel in this house. And if you'll help me preach just by opening your spirit. I'm going to preach about going beyond. I have to. Going beyond, I have to. Would you just close your eyes and would you pray with me? And would you ask God to speak to you as an individual and to speak to us as a conglomerate whole? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I surrender all pressure to perform, all pressure to produce, Father. Lord, I pray that you would allow your living word to preach your written word, Father. Let there be an anointing to articulate revelation, O God. And I pray let that open door of utterance be in this house. And I pray, God, that you would allow deliverance to come in this house. Break us free, God. 
from our duty of just doing what we have to. Find every hindering spirit, whether human or demonic, and we loose you to be God in this house. Speak to us, Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, look to your neighbor, slap high five with them and say, get ready. Look at your other neighbor, slap high five, say, you look good, it's all right. Amen, and you may be seated. Amen. How many are ready? Oh, that was kind of weak. I don't know if we're going to start off on the right foot or not. Amen. Me and my wife and my children, we travel around the country and we preach the gospel. It's what we were called to do. It's what we were chosen to do. But my son being five years old and my daughter being three years old, they have developed a drug problem. They get drug every Sunday to Sunday school. They get drug every Friday to youth service. They get drug every Wednesday to church and Bible study. Sometimes we have revival seven days a week. Amen. And my children have a drug problem. And, and if they were here, they would be here because they had to be here. Not because maybe they made a choice to be here and maybe some of you are here just because that's where the bus was going and you had to come here. Or maybe mom and dad brought you here and you had to be here. But my children, they have to be here. And I know that some of you that are in this place, you might be here because you have to be here. But can I tell you, just because you're in the church, just because we may be saved does not mean that we are delivered, that we are set free, that we are liberated. Just because we're in the house of God does not mean that we are completely free and liberated and that we have and enjoy the peace of God. Because it was this last weekend that I was in a PK retreat, a pastor's kids retreat, and there was a young lady there who was brought up in church every service, every prayer meeting. She was one of those that had a drug problem, but all grown up now, about 16 years old. She came to church to that weekend retreat, and she had a problem. Every time that she would eat, she had a stomach problem that her, they did a biopsy and they looked at her stomach and it looked like a literal watermelon. It was kind of white and pink and white and pink along the, along the edges. And every time she would eat, there would be extreme pain. So I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And when we prayed, the Bible says we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And we began to pray. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And she said, okay. And I said, but we're not going to pray for your stomach. We're going to pray for that spirit of fear. And we're going to bind that spirit of anxiety. Because sometimes internal spiritual problems manifest themselves in the physical. Amen. But she was in church. You've got to understand, just because you're in church doesn't mean you're experiencing the freedom that God has for you in the Christian... Uh. 
because she was there every service, every prayer meeting, because she had to. But there was things on the inside that she was bound by. And I'm telling you, just because you're here does not mean that you're delivered. You might even be saved. Because the Bible said the people of God, they were in Egypt and they, the death angel was going to pass over and God gave instruction. He said, you better slay a lamb and you better take its blood and apply it to the doorpost. And when the death angel comes and sees the blood, he'll pass over. So listen, that's when the, you see the blood of the lamb, you've got to apply the blood of the lamb. That's like when we get baptized in Jesus name, that's applying the the blood of the lamb but they had the blood applied but not only did they need to slay a lamb like Jesus is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world listen now they applied the blood of the lamb but once they they shed the blood of the lamb they had to take that lamb and they had to eat the lamb that's type of the Holy Ghost infilling speaking with other tongues because you not only need the blood applied but you need the lamb on the inside But guess what? Even though they had the blood applied to their life, type and shadow of baptism in Jesus' name, and they had the lamb on the inside to the full, even though the blood was applied and they were full of the lamb, they were still in Egypt. They were still in the land where they were slaves. They were still prisoners in a land where they felt the whips on their backs. So can I tell you, you might be a young person in this house. You might have the blood applied to your life in baptism. And you might be full of the Holy Ghost. But listen, that does not mean that you are delivered. So I've come, what I feel in the Holy Ghost, that God is going to let a deliverance sweep through this house. And thus why I read the text to you in 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 14. The Bible said, now Elisha was fallen sick with the sickness where he would die. This same Elisha that 60 years prior, he followed a man of God by the name of Elijah, chasing after him from city to city, pouring waters on water on his hands and serving him, longing for what he had, wanting what he had. He followed him 60 years prior. This now Elisha is sick and is about to die. This Elisha that 60 years prior would not settle for Gilgal, which was type of salvation. Would not settle for what was called Bethel, which means how the house of God. And would not settle for Jericho, which was a place of historical moves of God. So this Elisha in a passionate pursuit of the prophetic was not willing to settle for just being saved. Was not willing to settle for 
for just coming to the house of God and was not willing to settle for a past move of God. And it was that same Elisha 60 years prior that would cross a Jordan River and ask a prophet, I want a double portion of what you have. Once they crossed that Jordan River in 2 Kings chapter 2, once they crossed that Jordan River, that old prophet Elijah, his spiritual mentor and father, said, what would you have for me to do? He said, I want, I want. That man gave him a blank check and he said, I want a double portion of what you got. He said, I don't want to be limited by what once was, but I, I want twice what you got. He said, I didn't come this far to settle for what once was when I know there's more that will be. And it was a passion of a soon-to-be prophet that said, I want twice what you got. I don't want to settle for what a past generation had. I want twice what they got. Hallelujah. But now that Elisha that so passionately pursued the man of God and the mantle of God and the double portion now is laying weak and sick in his bed. And when the news traveled to the king of Israel... He runs to the bedside of that same prophet and says, weeping over him, knowing that he was about to pass and the same transition that had happened in a generation past was about to take place again. And that king stood over that prophet weeping and crying, mourning for the loss, but wanting what he had. He knew that that mantle's gonna go somewhere. That, that, that double portion is gonna go somewhere. So weeping, here's what he says. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And the there, that statement may not mean much to you, but that meant a lot to that dying prophet. Because when he said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof, those were the same words that 60 years prior a young Elisha the prophet would make his he would make his his request known and then he would make these same words moments before he picked up a mantle it is in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 12 that he said, watching that Elijah, that old prophet, get taken away by a chariot of fire as he watched his spiritual father go, knowing that a mantle was coming. He said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. So when this king said what he said, it may have not meant much to you, but it awoken something inside of that dying prophet. So I believe he sat up in his bed and said, what'd you say? 
He said, that's what I said when I was on, when I had my daddy on the way out of here and I was about to get that double portion. Hey, I remember saying that and all of a sudden something was activated in a past generation to be able to pass on to a future generation. So now, after he activated that prophetic and that dying prophet, he, that prophet said, huh, I might have something here. I might have somebody that might want what I got. And so he said, okay, let's see. Let's see. And then he tells him, here's what I want you to do. You're going to help me out, Bubba, right here. Come here. You right here, right in the middle, right in the middle. Yeah, oh yeah, you, okay. You can stand down there. I'm going to help you out. They write, he's excited. I don't know about you. So when he used the same prophetic terminology that a past generation used, it activated and made it available to them and to him. So he says to them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take bow and arrows. And guess what he did? He took bow and arrows. He said, put your hand on the bow. And the Bible said he put his hand on the bow. And that prophet, come here, Middleton, brother brother Middleton, would you come? Help me out. You're going to be the old prophet. No, old prophets don't run. And he grabbed, he said, put your hand on the bow. He put his hand on the bow. Then the old prophet put his hand on the bow. Said, here's how you do it, son. You got a shoot pointing out that way. That's, that's about what happened right there. And that's in between the lines. Amen. Not everything's in the Bible. You didn't hear about Moses crossing the Red Sea and burped. You didn't hear that. It don't matter. Just act, fake it. There you go. That's what happened to the old prophet. He said, hey, here's what he did. He said, watch, take bow and arrows. And the Bible says he took bow and arrows. He said, put your hand on the bow. He put his hand on the bow. The prophet put his hand on his hand. He said, open the window eastward. Guess what he did? (laughs) You're doing good. Eastward. You ready? Here we go. He said, open the window eastward. What did he do? He said, now shoot. Don't, don't have to shoot now. Just act like it. Just pull back on it. And he shot. Amen. And then he said, take, air, take the bow and arrows. He took the bow and arrows. And then, here's what he said. Take those arrows and smite the ground. One, two, three, and he stayed. He did exactly what the prophet asked him to do. Take bow and arrows. He took bow and arrows. He said, here, put your hand on the bow. He put his hand on the bow. He said, open the window. He opened the window. He said, shoot, and he shot. Then all of a sudden, he gave out. He said, take those bow and arrows and take that quiver. And after he shot that, 
After he shot that one arrow, he said, this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Because this is how the prophetic works. You shoot there, he shot the arrow. Because whatever you do now will be amplified then. There's things that you can do right now tonight that will win victories that you ain't even facing yet. He said, shoot, and they shot. And they were winning victories that they weren't even fighting yet. That's how the prophetic works. Because whatever you do right now, God will amplify then. My God. So you got to make it up in your mind tonight that I'm going to do something tonight because I'm going to be facing some battles tomorrow I don't even know about. Because listen to me. Most battles that are won are not won on the day that they're fought. But they are won Uh, he shot that arrow and he said the arrow of the Lord's deliverance they haven't even fought yet but he shot that arrow they shot he said shoot they shot then he said here's what we're going to do you got six left you had a quiver full you got six left now and he hands him a quiver full six arrows a quiver shy of one six arrows and says now Put that blank check in his hand. He said, the depth of your deliverance is up to you. And he said, all he said was, smite the ground. He took an arrow. And he smote it three times and stayed. And he only did half of what he could have. And that prophet all of a sudden was angry and was wroth and said, Oh, if you would have just smote it five or six times, if you would have just emptied your quiver, but now you're only going to have three victories and you're going to end up bound in the end. Because this passive king said, I'm only doing what I have to. He said, open the window. I opened the window. He said he was just trying to appease a past generation by doing what he had to. He said, take the bow and arrow. So he took the bow and arrow. He said, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on the bow. He said, open the window. He opened the window. He said, shoot. And he shot. But when the quiver full was handed to him, he was so bound by what he had had to do that he did not know how to do something beyond. And because he was bound by what he had to do, he would have victories. But he would ultimately be bound by the prison of I have to. Get that bone arrow. Got to get the bone arrow. Put your hand on the bow. 
I guess I have to. He said, hey, open now. I guess I have to. He said, I guess I have to. Even while the prophetic is happening. Don't you understand? It is the bow that is the prophetic weapon of war. Because a prophet will aim it, point it, and then watch now. To go forward, you've got to go backwards first. And it's the resistance you feel that says, hey, you're about to go forward. I just feel a little something right here, right now when I said that. Maybe, just maybe, God's got you pointed. He's got you positioned. That arrow is in the knock. And God, you thought you were going to go forward because you're pointed, you're positioned, you're postured. But God has been pulling you seemingly backward. Why? Because he's about to launch you into places you've never been. My God, so the greater the resistance you've been feeling, the farther we're going to go. And I don't want to be bound by what I have to do. But I want to say, I'm going to empty my quiver. I'm not just here to appease a, a past generation, but I want everything that God has. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. Somebody lift your voice. Oh! Don't you worry, Pastor. The hand of the prophetic is resting on you. Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. But that king that had activated the prophetic with his terminology of faith. My God, my God. Now... His words were going to be put to the test to see if he really wanted what he thought he wanted. But it reveals to us a truth. Get the bow. I got the bow. Put your hand on it. Open the window. He opened the window. Shoot. He shot. But he was, when it came time, he only did half of what he could have because of only doing what he had to do. That's why I read to you Luke 17 and 10 where Jesus said, when you've done, even when you've done all that was commanded you, you're still an unprofitable servant. That word unprofitable means no good, not necessary. Get much better than that right there. He said, even when you've done all that you've been asked to do, consider yourself an unprofitable servant. It's not talking about you've got to do more than was asked. But I believe he was talking about you not doing more, but with what attitude are you doing what you're doing? 
He said, when you've done everything that's commanded you, and you've done everything that was your duty to do, after you've done everything that you had to do, after you've done everything that you had to do, you're still unprofitable. But he said not to do more, but you've got to get it in your mind. Not because I have to, but I choose to. Not because I was commanded, but because I get to. I choose to. It's my privilege. We don't need an unprofitable generation. We need a generation that doesn't say, well, I have to. But we need a generation that says, I get to. We've got to get beyond, I have to. My God, you be seated, you be seated. You watch now, you listen to me. And that's why Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, he's teaching his disciples the culture of Christianity. And he says to them, his disciples and all those that were following him about the culture of Christianity. He goes and says something like this in five, Matthew 5 and verse 40. He said, if a man sue you at the court of law for your coat or your undershirt, give him your cloak also. There it is. If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. One translation said, if he asks for your shirt, you better give him your coat also. He said, if any man sue thee at the law, that means you have to. Here is the culture of Christianity because God didn't want to save you and leave you bound. He was trying to give them some understanding. If a man comes to you and sues in the court of law for your shirt, give him your shirt because you have to. But hey, here's a Christian. I'll give you that one because I have to. But this one's on the house. Because I'm not going to be bound by what I have to. Let me give a little more. I'm not going to be bound by what I have to. I'm not going to be bound by a church culture. But I am going to give them that and say, this one's on the house. This one's because I have to. But that one's because I choose to. You want real liberty? Don't just give them what you have to. But but that one is on the house. Because ah. we cannot be a generation that's bound by the law. I have to. Why are you here? Because I have to. They said, you can. that's just because I have to. And I'll give you that because I have to. And Jesus said, there's some things that you have to do. But he said, don't stop there. 
Because you want real power. You want God to trust you with real power and real potential. You've got to get this in your mind. That not just what I have to, but I'm going to go above and beyond. And I'm going to do what I choose to do for God. I'm not just going to do what I have by the law because I... But it even gets better. Because he goes on to nail the coffin shut of I have to. And he said, if a man compel thee to go one mile, go with him twain. Let me see that. I need to see everybody. Come on now. He said, if a man compel thee. One translation said, if a man or a Roman soldier force thee. Because it was Roman culture and Roman law that if, if you being a Jew, if I ask you to carry my stuff, my, my rucksack, my soldier's pouch, carry the weight of my stuff I'm carrying, if I want you to carry it, by Roman law, you have to. Stand up on that chair. Hop on. Carry my stuff. By law, I have to. Go one mile. By law. And it's going to get heavy. Because a mile's a long way when I don't want to carry this. But in the first mile, I'm in bondage. I'm in prison to what I have to do. But watch what he says next. Here's what we think deliverance is. We walk the first mile in church. We get 18. And here's where deliverance is. We just sit down. We walk the first mile. We set down holiness. We walk the first mile. We set down truth. We walk the first mile and we get 18 and we think the only way to relieve ourselves from the weight that we're feeling, even in the church, is just to lay it down. I'll tell you where the real liberty is. I might do this first mile because I'm being forced to, but I'm being made to. But guess what? I'm going to go a second mile. God, that weight's going to be heavy while you're walking the first mile. It's heavy as long as I have to. But when I take on the mindset, not because I have to, but I choose to. It ain't so heavy when I choose And when you make up your mind, 
It's not so heavy. If you choose to live for God, if you choose to live, if you choose to pray, if you choose. Come on, holiness is not a burden when you choose. Come on, some of you need to make up your mind. I'm going the second mile. Go ahead, that's deliverance. Go ahead, that's deliverance. Not because I have to. I choose to. Now how many are ready? You want to know how you get liberty in the first mile? We need this young people, these, this church and this generation to know that you can get a second mile mentality while you're still walking the first. I'll try that with the right hand and tell you, here's how you're going to live liberated, free, and delivered while you're still carrying the weight of what you have to get a mind mentality of a second. Not because you have to. Not because you have to. And that's Jesus making a Christian culture inside of a pagan world. You want real deliverance? You've got to get in your mind that I don't have to. I get to. I choose. Think about it. Think about it. Jesus said it like this. He said, about to go to the cross. He said, hey, they don't take my life. He said, they don't take my life. I lay it down. He said, this ain't what I have to do. This is what I choose to do. Jesus lived by the law because he had to. He lived by the law because he had to. But he died by the cross because he chose to. You think I don't know what I'm talking about? I'll tell you. In that PK retreat last week, I watched as a PK. Grew up in a preacher's home. I watched her. She looked good. Had a smile on her face. But they forced her to come to that retreat. And she sat there in the front row. Weeping, crying, deliverance swept in because all of her life she lived the way she had to because she was a preacher's kid. It's the right thing to do. I have to. But I watched as deliverance swept in and that young lady that had lived all her life only knowing the first mile, looking for every chance to get out from underneath the weight. She lifted her hands in complete surrender and deliverance. And as she lifted her hands, I looked as she had cut marks all the way down her arm because she was trying to get out of a first mile but didn't know how. 
Holiness is not heavy. Truth is not heavy. What this generation is called to do, it's not heavy. When you choose, when you choose, when you choose, I'm telling you, the Lord told me there was going to be an angel of the Lord's deliverance that's going to come in this house. Not because I have to. I can see Jesus on that cross. Not because he had to. Musicians, come. We're about done. Listen. Quiet your spirit and ready for tr- be ready. The reason that prophet died angry. The reason that past generation was wroth. Because the next generation coming was presented with the same opportunity but failed to seize it. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Go ahead and get your bow and arrows. He got his bow and arrows. He said, open the window. He opened the window. Shoot and he shot. But then when a quiver full was handed. That next generation took out one of those arrows. And they were granted the same opportunity but never seized it because they were bound only by what they had to do. And what I feel, Pastor, in the Holy Ghost was, you know what Youth Congress was? That was the initial launch. That was the release. But I feel like God has handed Antioch a quiver full, saying, I'm going to give you, because you've used the same prophetic terminology, I'm going to give you the same opportunity that a past generation had. But what you do with it is up to you. That king only went. Gilgal. Bethel. Jericho. The Bible says he stayed. If you would only struck the arrow five or six times, you would have been completely delivered. I want somebody that you're tired of just doing what you have to, it's too heavy. There's a quiver here. Somebody come. Grab an arrow. I'm asking you to come not because you have to.
the greater your deliverance tonight will determine the degree of your impartation. God is handing the North American church a quiver full and handing this generation. But now it's up to you. Smite the ground. Smite the ground. Deliverance. No, do it with a made-up mind. Do it with a made-up mind. That's deliverance. Not because I have to. Not because I have to. But I choose to. I choose. There's an impartation of passion. A hunger. Turn around and give your arrow to somebody. Turn around and that arrow to somebody. And tell them smite the ground. Do it with passion. Passion.